All right, so we are playing 5th edition D&D today in the world of Exploration Age, which is my homebrew setting. Exploration Age is based on the Age of Discovery, right? When America and Australia and all of the other North and South American countries were sort of being discovered and settled by European nations. So we are going to be playing today in the country of Taliana. Taliana is a place where elves and halflings rule with a democratic republic. Um, they have a senate. It's sort of Roman-inspired. People are wearing togas, that sort of thing. Their main industries are, like, cattle herding and, uh, and lumber. So these are elves and halflings that don't just live amongst trees. They cut them down, and they actually use them to do stuff. You guys today are in the city of Wainaina, and that city, lumber, is its main export. It's in the middle of this big forest, and the forest is called the Great Wood. And you are there, you four are an adventuring party who has just finished up your latest adventure. Like all good adventures, this one starts out, of course, in a tavern. So you guys are, are hanging out in a tavern, recouping, relaxing, enjoying the spoils of victory after your latest adventure. Why don't we go around the table, everybody introduce themselves, let us know kind of who you are as a person and what it is you do here in the world of tabletop role-playing games and Dungeons and & Dragons and stuff, and then uh, let us know a little bit about your character. Mitch, why don't we start with you? Awesome. Yeah, I am Mitch. I am from the Dungeon Master's Block podcast. I am super excited to to be here and to be playing. We, we thank James once again for running this show and uh, bringing us into his world. Oh, thank you for having me. For real. And I am getting to play today Samorn Yarjarit, who is a gold dragonborn. All of my friends, which are all here around this cyber table, you guys just know me as Sam, because I know that names are hard to remember, especially for one-shots. <laughs> Sam is a gold dragonborn, like I said. He wears a very nice outfit, like a tunic that's blue and with gold trimming. He has a silver breastplate. He is one that loves piercings, so he's got them all over his face. He's been a sailor in the past, and so he's got kind of these nice gem-encrusted scimitars. He's known to run up and climb on things and jump down and be a very, very charismatic fighter. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Morgan, why don't you introduce yourself? I am a halfling. I, I am a fighter. And my name, and I'm going to mispronounce this, so I apologize profusely, but it is Tien, T-I-E-N-E, -E, uh, which is Gaelic for fire. Uh, he was named this because of his incredibly orange hair <laughs> that he has. And, uh, and he's, he's a fighter, as anyone with red hair will tell you. They're all fighters. <laughs> so he, uh, always getting into scrapes uh, from a young age, eventually found a way to turn that to his advantage and get paid for getting into scrapes. Because of this, he loves his job and will tell people about it at length, <laughs> whether they want him to or not. Sometimes whilst fighting them. <laughs> you know I do this for a living. <laughs> he likes to think he's well known for his work. He's not necessarily <laughs> no, certainly not in all circles but uh but he likes to think he is certainly make sure that everyone appreciates it <laughs> and always taken aback when people haven't heard of him which leads sometimes to fights <laughs> excellent excellent and what about you personally as a person what do you do in the D, D world 
What do I do? Oh, um, <laughs> I don't get into fights. I love everybody. <laughs> uh, I, I also, I have a podcast. It's called Going In Blind, and it's where I play with some vision-impaired players. Uh, we have some low-vision and some no-vision players, and we play Dungeons & Dragons. And they are all terrifying and scary and love fire. <laughs> <laughs> that is excellent. That is excellent. Neil, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your character? So the first thing is I am also on the Dungeon Master's Block podcast. Woo. And you can hear my dulcet tones there, mainly on the Diamnastics segment. For my character, I'm not going to lie, James gave us some information about his world beforehand. And I dove in head first and then some so i have chosen my background from the material he gave us i chose my magic item from the material he gave us i went all in so i am playing a fifth level cleric named agda she is wearing all purple because she was born into the noble caste in the caste system for the Braganay dwarves it's a really structured caste system and they always wear the color of that caste so you know so she wears an eye patch but as we are all friends and adventuring party you all know that that is a bio arcane item known as the hawk's eye Nice. So instead of an actual eye, it's a um, eye made out of pure jade. Wow. Are you missing an eye or are you just wearing that because it's cool? Oh, no. I don't have an eye. Instead, <laughs> I have a, an eye carved of pure jade. Nice. Uh, which kind of helps out with the perception. Nice. Like that. Yeah, to use a bio-arcane item, uh, this is one of the features of the world. You actually have to remove a body part um, and then place the item oh. in its place. So p- perhaps... Agda lost the body part, or perhaps she willingly removed it to gain the powers of the other. <laughs> you have to be Misplaced dedicated. it one day. <laughs> Matthew, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your character? Oh, geez, I'm going last. That's the second mistake. The first was inviting me in the first place. <laughs> no. My name is Matthew uh, Perotti. You guys might know me from the RPG Academy podcast. I also have a dying podcast on iTunes that's never been recorded in the last two years, so I'm not going to bother talking about it. (laughs) I've played a lot of actual plays over there, and I've done some of their table topics. If you know me more locally, I do some improv on in New York on Long Island, and Port Jeff at a theater three. If you want to come down, I would love to. (laughs) All right, see you there, Morgan. I'll be there in two weeks. <laughs> really? <laughs> Not poor Jeff, but like right in that area. Yeah, that's I grew up right around there. So yeah, we'll talk about that later then. Yeah. And the character I will be hoping to portray is an Azamar fighter from Chrysalis, which is the floating city that inhabits this world. And uh, he's a far traveler. And his name is Fifth of Cloudgate. He's a very interesting looking individual. He's got bronze skin and uh, ashen hair and green eyes. Tall guy decked in this silver armor the most interesting about him is probably his weapon which he calls the star lance it is a boxy looking rifle if anyone's familiar with 40k the weapon i have in my head is the uh is the tau pulse rifles Mm -hmm. so he's got that strapped to his back along with a long sword which uh looks very similarly to a feather on his back as well he's just um curious about everything Mostly the new uh, continent that has been discovered, and he's hoping to get over there sometime soon. Excellent, excellent. So we have a party of one cleric and three fighters here. 
Um, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Uh. <laughs> so you guys are uh, you're chilling here at this inn. It is called the the Sawmill Inn here in Wayne-na. and Wayne-na, So the elf lumberjacks here are a little bit harder than the average folk. Um, lots of bar fights. It's it's got a rustic feel. Log cabins kind of everywhere that they're using, obviously, because this is a lumber industry lots of breweries distilleries vineyards it's kind of known for all of the various types of alcohol that it can produce it's also a little bit it's a large city we're talking maybe 50,000 people but it's a little short on its law enforcement because it's all the way out there in the woods Um, so as a result petty crimes like brawling in the streets public intoxication that kind of thing tend to be overlooked so you know you guys are are there in the bar and at the moment there is a fight going on uh sort of like a fight club style you know everybody around cheering watching these two female elves kind of punch and kick each other around and people are taking bets and and they're calling out winners and losers up next you know two halflings are going to wrestle each other to the ground when the door opens to the inn and a very nervous-looking individual steps in. Uh, He's a mustached halfling. He is also clad in purple, in a purple toga. And he is clearly out of place. This bar is a little bit on the rougher end of town. He looks like maybe he's like the owner of a lumber company or he's come into money independently. It's clear that he is out of place based on all of his dress and his nervous fidgeting and that kind of thing. He's sort of looking around the room when he spots all of you. And what do you guys happen to be doing in this bar at the moment? Sam, what are you doing? Sam is, he's found a pretty good looking silver dragon and he is just talking her ear off he's trying to woo her he's trying to kiss her hand with as much as a dragon born without lips can kiss a hand (laughs) yeah he's he's very charming to her nice nice yeah and she of course is impressed because your latest (laughs) deeds have not gone unnoticed by the people of of course uh, as you know what about Tian? What is Tian doing? Tian is standing in the, the rough sort of, it's not really a circle, but the crowd that gathered around this, this particular fight, and he is staring at it intensely uh, while loudly s- sort of proclaiming to the people around him whether they want to hear it or not. Oh, this is an amazing fight. Did you know I'm a fighter? Like, not just for, like, fighting, but actually money. Like, I'm a fighter for money. I get money for fighting. I'm a fighter. This is a fight. Uh, And people are trying to persuade you, of course, like, oh, you know, you should get in the next round. The next round, we could have a three-way brawl and see which halfling comes out on top. It would be amazing. I could do that because I'm a fighter and I fight for money. I have a drink at the moment and I will finish that first, but then I'm a fighter. What is Agda doing? One of my personality traits is that a good liquor and a hearty meal are the best way to sleep. So I'm going to be fairly secluded, not too close to 
the fighting area. I feel like if someone were to knock my drink or food over, things would go very south. <laughs> so, yeah, just essentially have ordered the strongest liquor they have and the best meal and then just eating it in the corner. Excellent, excellent. And the liquor, you know, the liquor is pretty strong for elf liquor. Like, it's no dwarf liquor. But, uh, yeah. but you know, it, it'll do. It'll do for, for where you are. You're thousands of miles from your home in Braganay at the moment. Uh, and what is our Azamar friend doing right now? Fifth right now kind of looks like a kid in a candy store. His green eyes are hardly blinking, and he's just drinking it all in. He has a draw to uh, women of no of not Azamar descent. Ah. <laughs> Other than that, he's he's just loving the fighting and the drinking and everyone eating. <laughs> nice, different nice. Things. Well, this uh, this purple-clad halfling walks around to each of you. And he drops a small bag of coin in front of you and says, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very, very, very sorry to interrupt, but I, 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 I just have a, a something I'd like to talk to you about, a, a business opportunity. Maybe we could meet over at the table by your, your, your dwarf friend over here. Uh, and, he, uh, and then he goes and he sits with Agda. Uh, and he, especially the men who are engaged in conversation with the ladies at the moment he is particularly apologetic of and then Tian <laughs> he is almost frightened of you when he approaches you clearly he's heard of your fearsome reputation um, <laughs> as he uh, from Tian goes along. <laughs> right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> as he tries to interrupt me <laughs> <laughs> right right and once you're all kind of gathered around the table, he introduces himself as Dreus Merkor. Uh, and he says, I, uh, uh, you, you may have heard of me. I'm the, I'm the proprietor of the uh, Merkor Lumber Company here, here in this very city. Uh, we've, we've done very well this past year. And, uh, I, well, I'm in a bit of trouble. And it requires uh, men of your talents uh, to be able to, to help me out. I need people who maybe can protect themselves and get themselves into a scrape and and maybe even for for the right amount of coin keep things a little quiet it better be a good amount of coin you just ruined my chances with cabis over there <laughs> he he like his eyes go real wide and he says yes yes of, of course of course it is a it is a good amount of coin it is it is good uh, it, it's uh, it's actually 500 gold pieces each, um, uh, but but let me let me just say let me first compliment you on your your last mission together. It is the talk of the town. Neil, why don't you tell me a little bit? Uh, just give me the general overview of what your last mission together was. <laughs> Given the current makeup of the crew, uh, <laughs> it being three fighters and a cleric, we are often a uh, battering ram, as you can imagine. <laughs> Finesse is not in our repertoire. So it was actually a local band of orcs that they had sent several other groups out. Mm. Given our, our wonderful status, they thought that we weren't required. But after having sent several failed groups, we went in and they found out that there was an ogre or two Ooh. at the head of the orcs. Excellent, excellent. And what trophy did you keep from your battle with the ogres? Definitely the whole head. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's starting to smell. <laughs> so so he says, uh, the ogre... Uh, that that you killed. I I mean, whew, wow, great, great stuff, great stuff. I'm sure that uh, what I am about to say to you will be easy. It'll be essential. Be the easiest five five hundred gold you've 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 ever made. Um, you see, uh, our our well, let me start at the beginning. Whew. 
and he takes a deep breath. Okay, so uh, five days ago, uh, some uh, children were supposed to come this way. Uh, there are uh, nobles in the town of Persilia, which is a town, it's just a few hundred miles down the road. It's kind of the next big city over. And there are stops along the way on the road, you know, inns and that kind of thing. But this is the next really, really big settlement. These children, uh, you know, y young adults, really, were supposed to come over with their, with their guide. They were supposed to arrive in town. Uh, a day went by and I didn't think much of it. Maybe they got held up, bad weather, uh, you know, enjoying their time at a tavern or, or taking, taking their time, I don't know. Uh, but five days have gone by and they have not shown up. They were coming because they, they wanted to apprentice the, the lumber industry. And, you know, we, we have some of the best here. Uh, and their parents are uh, our clients of mine. So I, I thought it would be a great idea that I could show them as an opportunity. A, a sort of internship, if you will. Uh, well, it, it turns out those kids have not gotten here. And uh, I'm afraid their parents will think I'm responsible uh, if they don't show up. I'm hoping you could travel back along the road to Priscilla uh, and and see if you can fight the parents. Right. No, uh, no, 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 wait. Uh, no, 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 uh, just, oh. just see if you could find any sign of them. And if something took them, you, you could maybe fight that uh, if you wanted to. Ah. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're... And then fight the children. Well, uh... Mm, I, uh, Calm down, T. Calm down. Maybe, uh... There'll be plenty of fighting. They are just your size. <laughs> maybe, uh... He doesn't understand the difference between children and halflings. <laughs> well, some of them are halfling children. Uh, they're a little softer around the edges. They're more like me than they are like you, uh, which is why someone like you and not someone like me should go looking for them. If that is amenable, uh, I will, of course, uh, upon the return of the children, who I'm sure are all fine and just lost somewhere along the road, um, you will get 500 gold pieces, and uh, I will also uh, see you fit equipped uh, with, uh, with horses uh, that can speed you along the road. So an exploration age in this continent, which is sort of the more developed world, there are roads, and the roads are paved with these magical cobblestones. And when a horse wearing horseshoes or a traveler wearing this specific kind of boot travels along the road, they travel at triple their speed. Whoa. You know, wow. like the, That's awesome. the shoes work in connection with the cobblestones to kind of speed them along. So you can't, it only works along the road. You can't sort of veer off the road and then you have that speed. Uh, they, they need to be together touching. It's like a magic travelator. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what it's called. Uh, boots from Legend of Legend. Zelda. <laughs> and so he, he's, he's offering you horses equipped with these horseshoes to travel along the road to, uh, to speed your way. I promise it'll, it'll, it'll really be the easiest money you ever made. I, I hope, I hope, I hope that's the case. These horses are, are of course, combat trained. Uh, yes, yes, they do not, they do not shy from, from combat. They are, uh... Uh, the finest war war horses, uh, I believe, is, is ah, what so they're they are about. fit with the finest of armor then too. <laughs> oh well, um, uh, I could I could maybe see that they are given that some bargaining. <laughs> I uh, th I mean they they probably don't need it. You're not. I mean I don't know. Oh, uh, yes. we're okay, fine, okay, but the horses yes. need it. 
<laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yes, yeah, I will I will make sure. It's not because you're going to... You are going to fight the horses. Is that why? Uh, and he looks at Tien. Well, I'll, I'll keep Tien at bay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Uh, why you're... would I fight the horses? I don't need to fight them. I know that I would win. I am a fighter. Yes, I I have no doubt that you would win. Uh, excellent, excellent. So he makes the arrangement with you guys and uh, and asks you to sort of come around the back the next morning and you'll be on your way to uh, to check things out. So he's left. He's left us alone. Yes, yeah, he has left you alone for the evening. <laughs> so I I turn to my friends and I say, well, Tien wanted to, of course, have some a little bit of fighting tonight, so I feel like we should allow him to do that. I would like to, of course, make a little bit more gold. I only have ten pieces to my name right now, so, Tien, we're going to do the same thing we do every time this happens. I'm going to walk around the the tavern and badmouth you and tell everybody how weak you are. You know this is all in our plans. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. And then uh, Tien will, of course, get into a little bit of a scrap. (laughs) Go ahead, make me a charisma check, uh, and you can add your proficiency modifier if you're trained in deception. Okay. So let's see how much gold you can sort of get placed on this. All right, here we go. It all ends with the dice. (laughs) I got an 11. All right, excellent, excellent. And does anybody want to, for for free, someone can, of course, aid you, one of your allies in this endeavor, to... To give you advantage. I can walk around and start saying stuff around the other side of the bar. I'm a, you know, I'm a real close talker, so it gets people really weirded out. Nice. Excellent. You, like, have no Excellent. sense of so, personal uh, space. <laughs> yeah, a very, a very, very small set of personal space. <laughs> so go ahead, roll with advantage, Mitch. Okay, awesome. Okay, my next roll was not better, so. <laughs> okay, great. So what we're going to say is you have an opportunity right now to, we'll say, triple your investment. You'll have 30 gold pieces awesome. at the end yep, of the night. Yep, I'm putting all 10 in. Right. Of course, if Tian wins. Come on, Tian. <laughs> so, Tian, what weapon do you use? Well, I have a scimitar. Okay. But I feel like in a tavern brawl, I may want to just swing... Yes, yeah. But so, I have a scimitar. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this next fight, actually, they are handing out dummy weapons for for people to use. So essentially, mechanically, what we'll say is it all does the same thing. It's just that, uh, you know, you're not going to kill the person. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unless you try really, really hard, uh, <laughs> which could be the case with Tian. <laughs> One punch. <laughs> uh, so excellent. So Tian, you get into the ring, and there are these two halflings there who appear to be quite crazy. Fantastic. <laughs> children to fight. Children. Oh. They're halflings, not children. <laughs> Half children. So go ahead. Why don't we roll initiative and we'll see who's going first in this battle. I got a five plus four. Okay, great. So you're going second then in this fight. Lovely. You got this, Tian. <laughs> there are two halflings that enter this fight. One is a sort of almost passed out drunk halfling who is carrying the leg of a chair that it looks like maybe he broke by sitting on too hard. I like him already. Yeah, yeah. He is tremendously fat for a halfling and is yelling body things at men and women alike as he steps into the ring. He is wearing a vest 
and like Aladdin style pantaloons, and he has a big hairy chest. The other halfling who has entered the ring, she is wearing a wolf pelt that she has sort of fashioned into a toga or a stola, I guess. And she is whipping around an axe over her head that has been blunted. And she is going first. Of course she is. <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> she is going to run right at you. And I rolled a 19. So does a 24 hit your AC? Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so she does uh, just by a little bit. She does just, just the tiniest bit. <laughs> she does nine damage. This is with this blunted weapon, um, and uh, as she bops you right in the head with it, and it actually musses up your fiery orange hair. Uh, it is now your My turn. God. I turn around to the bookie. I'm like, is it too late to change my pet? <laughs> <laughs> I, tur- I turn to Sam and say, is this ladies first? <laughs> you know Tien. He is, he is quite the gentleman. <laughs> no one but my wife or future wife messes with my hair. You might be one of them, but we can't say for sure. <laughs> and then I swing my scimitar at her. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Roll to hit. Seven. Plus seven. Oh, 14. Yes. You do hit her. How much damage are we talking? <laughs> I don't think that's a good laugh. Uh, I think you rolled a 20. Uh, I rolled a one. <laughs> All right, so five damage. Five damage. <laughs> okay. That's not that bad. You, uh, you know, you thump her pretty good in the thigh. Yes. And she sort of is backing away, but it's a, it's a harsh blow that stings. And then, of course, our halfling friend comes up behind her and takes a drunken swing and misses very, very terribly. She swings at you again. This time, it's a mighty overhand chop. Boom! And even though her weapon is blunted, she manages to cut deep into this wooden floor because she missed you. And it is your turn now once again, Morgan. For I am a fighter. <laughs> the drunken fellow, I'm just picturing him as Gerard Depardieu. I don't know why. I got a 20, I think. Oh, nice. It's, it's hard to Critical tell. Hit. Hang on. Because that's, um, sorry, for anyone listening at home, because of the nature of my podcast with the low vision. Um, we've got a giant D20 here made of foam that I got from the Penny Arcade Expo. They just had them for funsies, but it's actually useful for us. And so I'm rolling that because it's soft and squidgy and doesn't make lots of terrible noise and is fun. And I've never rolled it before. And I believe where it's got the PAX symbol, I believe that's a 20. And I'm not seeing a oh, 20 nice. anywhere else on this. So I think I just got a 20. Yes, you did. Yeah. That is a critical hit, and that means that you do double the damage. Nice. Trying to murder the person with your blood <laughs> scimitar. <laughs> I yell out to Tia, and I'm like, why are you only hitting them once? You usually hit them twice within six seconds. I'm being nice. <laughs> Neither of these people are fighters, whereas I am. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Mitch. You have two attacks, right? <laughs> Extra attack. Fifth yeah, level. yeah, yeah. Fifth level fighters. Yeah, you do take those. Attack. Maybe you'll roll another nat twenty. Come on. Oh yes, you may attack twice total. Haha. <laughs> yep. Heck yeah. Well, I may. I don't have to. You see. That's true. Because I am a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I roll again? Yes. Go ahead. I got a six plus seven. So a thirteen does also hit. That is her armor class. So you match it and you hit. Uh, so one is a critical hit, so you will do double damage. Yep. So go ahead, roll three times. Five. 
One. And two. So for the critical hit, uh, the way 5th edition works, you add your bonus only once. So the five and the one will be a six plus four, which is ten. And then your final blow will be another six. So that is going to be enough to knock her out. What do you do, sir? I stand up as tall as I can, which is not very tall. <laughs> not very tall. <laughs> no, not tall at all. And I look around at all the patrons that are standing around watching, and I say, I am Tien. I am a fighter. Somebody fight me. <laughs> Are you not entertained? <laughs> uh, as she, of course, falls to the ground, and that is when a club whips you in the back of the head Yay! for five bludgeoning damage. <laughs> <laughs> and Gerard de Pedu uh, is uh, still behind you. Go ahead and feel free to take your turn and attack him if you would like. So I turn around after having been smacked in the back of the head, and... I look him in his eyes as best I can because mine have gone a little bit crossed from having been smacked in the back of the head. <laughs> and I say, well played, sir. My turn. And then I swing the scimitar. <laughs> and I swing it at his legs. <laughs> I got a 20. Yes. <laughs> what is it? It's either 20s or 1s. <laughs> right, you're going this will be there. a good night. I'm going to use this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so this guy has uh, such low hit points that I am going to say, simply describe how you knock him out. <laughs> okay, I turn around. I'm a little bit blurry in my eyes. I can't quite see him, but he's large enough, rotund enough, that it doesn't particularly matter, and I just sort of aim for the blobby thing. And I swing down at his legs, and I hit one. And if he was someone of a thinner stature, Hitting that leg probably would have swept it out from under him. He would have fallen. But because he's slightly larger, it all it does is just send him that little bit off kilter. So he then slowly topples. <laughs> as he's toppling, he, he's leaning on his club a little bit. So it's making this cracking noise, almost as if he was some kind of falling tree. <laughs> and he goes down. Nice. And his head nice. smacks into the ground in this pub in the, uh, in the sawmill inn. And I don't know if he gets up or not, but that's how he went down. <laughs> uh, he does not get up, looks to be, uh, at the very least, passed out as a raucous cheer goes up around him and people start uh, yelling, fighter, fighter, fighter. Uh, and uh, they uh, lift you up onto their shoulders. I'm one of those. <laughs> uh, and they take you to the bar and begin pouring as much fine liquor as they can down your throat. I smack fifth and Agda on the back. Ah, Tian one, more gold for us. I had full confidence in him the whole time. <laughs> you are given, of course, Mitch, your, your 30 gold. Yeah. Does anybody else have anything they want to do before the next morning? I would like to drink at least one glass of water. <laughs> so you can fight better the next morning. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. So you guys wake up the next morning. The horses are there waiting for you, along with Dreas Merkor, who looks uh, still very nervous, very fidgeting and he 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 looks at all of you and and just says you know um i i wish you the the best 
and uh, you'll be you'll be back soon, right? Like, try to make it as as fast as you can, because uh, I'll be getting word from these uh, these kids' parents soon, and I'd like to tell them that everything is okay. Uh, and if you do talk to the kids, and they did happen to get into danger, maybe you could persuade them not to write home to their parents and tell them, uh, just you know, let let it be an adventure for them. Bygones be bygones, that sort of thing. Is it possible to do an insight check? I mean, he's a little sketchy, so. I feel sure, like he sure. may not be telling us what we're in for. <laughs> so, oh, it's an 11. So probably, I don't know. So you can tell that he is lying to himself as much as he is to okay. you. He is, he is very hopeful that the case is you will get there, everything will be fine, and you'll bring them back. But he's also trying to prepare for the worst. But he seems like a person who uh, probably resorts to the worst thing ever happened in his head and then tries to calm himself down from there. So uh, it doesn't seem anything malicious about him, but he just doesn't want his clients to know that maybe his their kids are in trouble. Sounds good. So you guys go ahead, you hop on the wagon here. Oh, and uh, let me just say that for the display back in the bar, Sam and Tian, you guys get inspiration oh, yay. for your for your lovely, lovely displays there. So as you guys are uh, are on the road, you you know are speeding through the woods, and the woods here are enormous. The trees grow ten stories or more high, uh, and the road has been cleared. So you're kind of you just have this nice, beautiful view of nature as you're whipping along. You're whipping along so fast that, for the most part, dangerous creatures are not a problem until you sit at night to rest. How are you guys traveling along the road? What sort of signs would you be looking for for these kids? Kind of, what's your plan? Other than knowing that they were traveling along this road, you don't really know much else. I, I feel like I'd probably be looking for some sort of, I don't know whether like a sign of a scuffle or uh, if the, the tiles could be magical road tile things could be broken or bent out of shape or something. So looking for that sort of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. I'd be looking for either like a, like signs of, of there being a travel coming from the other way, whether it be a wagon or a camp or, or something. Cool, cool. And of course, this road is frequented by, by other travelers. So from time to time, you do see other people come along the road. Go ahead and make me a perception check. Everybody. It's a night of 20s. <laughs> I will get to use my hawk's eye and get advantage on perception rolls. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Such a lovely day, I just can't stop looking at the trees. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd stop pointing out all the trees, I'd stop looking at them with you. I got a 10. All right. Oh, well, never mind. Then I got the nat 20. Tian is also looking at the trees. Yeah. Oh, did you get a nat 20? I got a nat uh, 20, yep. Oh, well, why don't, we don't even need to hear the rest, right? <laughs> So maybe uh, somebody okay. else got a nat twenty two. Wow, there are lots of trees around here. Maybe someone should start a lumber company. That's a nice boulder. <laughs> so Sam, you are traveling, and you actually see looks like off to the side as you're speeding along the road here. You could swear you see a woman's dress hanging over what appear to be you know a collection of shrubs. Sort of a, a few, a little ways off the road. It's visible, you know, it's within, it looks like to be about 100 feet off the road. There's this, looks like a, a dress just hanging there over the side of the thing. That's a lazy scarecrow. Yeah, with, with the back 
facing you. So we're we're all in a carriage now, or we're we all on different horses. You're all on okay. horseback. So right I kind of like throw my hand up in the air and I just yell halt. <laughs> I'll come to a stop. Hopefully they do as well. And without further explanation, I just kind of jump off my horse and rush over to investigate this dress and I kind of take it and I hold it up to the rest of the group. This is not a normal sight. (laughs) Perhaps this is connected to our little excursion. And when you hold it up, you can see the dress is torn. Almost like the person was torn out of it. And there is on the shoulder a big bloody mark and tear. Like, whoever was wearing it before it was torn off them was injured in some way in this area on their body. Would I know from you guys, my adventuring buddies, would I know if any of you guys are really good at, like, I don't know, investigating things like this to maybe figure out what exactly happened to this woman in this dress? You would would know that I am not good at that. (laughs) (laughs) We're all fighters. I forgot about this. (laughs) So I could potentially get us to them by tracking them with survival but i my investigation is not great either i mean that's i think that's good yeah that's definitely something i also have survival so i was actually gonna say uh, does the dress have a nice odor i hold it up to your (laughs) nose (laughs) it smells like fear it smells like and also like blood and body odor i guess (laughs) this is a this is like a grown woman's dress yes this isn't like a child's dress Yes, this is a grown woman, uh, slender Mm -hmm. of form, you can tell. Um, Probably, you would guess in these parts it would be an elf, because you'd be able to tell if it was a halfling. That's mostly what there is around these parts, is elves and halflings. The tag on the back says elf clothing, or us, or something like that. Right, yeah, exactly. So they're they're a specific name, brand, you know. (laughs) Oh, I have a question. Can I roll a medicine check to see how damaging that wound appears to be based on the dress? Yes, you absolutely can. 17. Okay, so it looks to be what would be a pretty bad wound, but not life-threatening. Whoever this is, is is probably still alive. You can tell by the amount of blood on the dress. They probably, at least by the time they got the dress off, had not already bled to death. Fifth, perhaps you can find some trace of more blood or tracks around this area. I would like to check, yes. So I'm going to make a a survival roll. I'm going to drop a die on the floor and then roll the one in my hand. That's that's the way I do it. Good. Yeah. Every time. I rolled a seven. So I just keep smelling the dress and uh, don't really point out anything in particular. Well, I thought I'd give him a try. (laughs) Every time. Uh, I'll go ahead and roll a survival as well. (laughs) 21. Excellent, excellent. So you do, you see, okay, it looks like this happened, and then you see the marks of, you know, it's it's feet that uh, are leading away from here, and the feet appear to be some sort of animal, bipedal animal, walks away from here deeper a little bit deeper into the woods you're actually not sure how far exactly but you can tell that they keep going into the woods you found the tracks they appear fresh maybe within the last day or so and you can also actually see her tracks her tracks which lead the way you were going on the road so she is coming from the way you were going something happened here and then this 
bipedal animal left. And the feet, they appear to be large feet, probably with about four toes. I'm assuming the blood is about uh, day old as well? Yes. Yes, it is. Could I use a history check to maybe check out the tracks and see if I know of any creatures with a foot like that that might frequent this area? Yeah. In fact, you're trained in survival, right? Yes. So I will say that you know uh, with your powers together this is some bipedal animal that's walking like this odds are it's probably some type of lycanthrope or knoll or uh, man beast type thing like uh, it wouldn't be a minotaur because it's hooved a minotaur is hooved but it's that sort of thing something with paws that would walk upright so your options are pretty limited probably in this area knoll or lycanthrope time to drop a bomb my background is lycanthrope All right, so tell us a little bit about... This could be me, guys, no. (laughs) Wait a minute, that's my purple dress. I did lose a dress. (laughs) No, so one of the backgrounds that James has done is lycanthrope. So I don't currently have lycanthropy. I was cured of it. I had it at one time and was cured of it. So fun things that come with that. Things like vengeance. I will see all lycanthropes put to rest. Other things like a close friend is ready to kill me or cure me if I ever get lycanthropy again. So <laughs> you guys can fight amongst yourselves who gets to put me down. Me. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so I'm going to I'll drop two pieces of knowledge on you then. One is about the world in general that here in Taliana there is a group of lycanthropes They're like terrorists. They're called the Brotherhood of the Moon. They are this collective of of various lycanthrope cells, and their goal is to infect all of Taliana and then the world with lycanthropy. They have this belief that the next evolution of development is people becoming lycanthropes. It makes you stronger. It makes you faster. It makes you more hardy. Better fighter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is the the idea behind them as such they've throughout the years have done all kinds of crazy things you know they attack and raid villages and try to bite as many people as possible but since then they've become more organized and smarter they're trying to do things like infect high powered people so that then they can sort of have people in power who are on their sides to then infect the rest of the world they've tried to do things like infect lots of innocent children so that the children then go back and infect their families they are bad people because lycanthropy for the most part makes you a bad person it mechanically changes your alignment to something evil for the most part not a lot of wear bears in the brotherhood of the moon but there are things like where boars wear rats and where wolves um what kind of lycanthrope were you neil so i wanted to go with the the route of you know, a kind of atonement for the things that i did so we'll just go ahead and do the classic werewolf excellent excellent which is of course the most common did you start up a, a, a werewolves anonymous it was like a were pekingese <laughs> 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 And I'm also going to drop this bomb that as you guys are looking at the tracks, you see that those uh, those animal tracks that have left 
the place, they don't come from anywhere. They just start here and leave. So I'm assuming that Agda has told us, yes, the whole group, uh, and, and about this, that he's he's gleaned this knowledge. She and yes. <laughs> Did I say he? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you are in real life a, a man, so yes. <laughs> I, I might mess up a few times. It's okay. The, the dwarves are, are super matriarchal, so I, <laughs> the only way to be a good noble was to be a female. There you go. That's true. So I, I kind of turned into the group, and I'm just like, this this could be terrible. If the Brotherhood of the Moon is behind this, and they're abducting children, that is far worse than death to be turned and sent to kill your own families. We must make sure that this does not happen. I agree with you, Sam. This is fascinating. Stop smelling the dress. <laughs> I, I'm not joining in on the conversation. I noticed the tracks only appear here and didn't appear, sort of they didn't come from anywhere. So I've started looking up at the trees mm -hmm. to see if there's anything hiding Still up at the in the trees. Because wolves might be able to climb trees. I don't know. So what would, what would I roll for that? Just a, a perception or? Yeah, in fact, I feel pretty safe telling you the trees look free and clear at the Ooh, moment. Can't trust trees. <laughs> forget the forget the werewolves. Can't trust the trees, man. At this point, I think Fifth would go uh, would move to the horses and bring them off the road and probably lash them somewhere where they have something to nibble on and also are mostly out of sight. Since people are okay. moving by at 120 miles an hour, I feel like they might not <laughs> notice the couple horses 10 feet outside the road. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so it's a good idea probably to move them and, and bring them out of sight. But you're right, unless people are really searching, they're probably whipping by pretty fast going to, to where they need to go. So your horses should be okay, lashed for a few hours. I guess the question is, where would you guys like to go next? Are you going to follow the trail of whatever this thing is? Or is there something else you would like to do? Would you like to get back on the road? It's up to you. As I'm stuffing the dress in my horse's saddlebags, I say, <laughs> I think we should follow this trail. I agree. <laughs> I agree, Fifth. There is no time to waste. Where will this trail lead? What happened to the woman who has this missing dress? Will our adventurers find the children? Find out in part two of The Rat Den.